exclamation point on a near perfect season. Mark Truex Jr. is the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be Willpower Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Checker flag. Power and Penske win it. Kyle Busch. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Side job. Trying to take the lead away. Side job. Almost. The momentum. The contact. 18. They make contact. The 18 into the wall. NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into the left turn, Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you here on this drizzly Monday morning in Maryville. Before we get started, we'd like to remind everyone that the opinions and views of the hosts of the left turn do not reflect the opinions and views of Northwest Missouri State University or KZLX. Trevor, it's cold, it's windy, it's rainy here in Maryville, but the good thing is NASCAR does not race here in Maryville. They're, no. they're in better areas, and, and there was a pretty good one that happened at Texas Would, over the weekend. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if they were here in Maryville? That'd be great. I mean, Kansas Speedway is close enough, but, uh, yeah, in Texas, it looked like they had a, a pretty good weekend of racing weather-wise. Um, sometimes it, in fall in northwest Texas, it can be about the same as what it is here in northwest Missouri, but uh, they were able to get all three events in. It was a triple header. I love when they have triple headers where when it's boom Friday, okay. boom Saturday, boom Sunday. It's only make better if they went two races on Saturday. But uh, overall, a great weekend racing. And that, that's the good thing about the end of the season. If there is, you know, you get all. You never want to see a season end, but every year it has to end at some point. But that's the cool thing about the end of the year is all the series come together. They work together. They're at the last little three, four races. They're all on the same schedule. They all race together. So we'll start with the Cup race on Sunday. And not much happened in this one because Kevin Harvick decided he was just going to dominate. Yeah, for all the playoff races we've had, I think this was the most anticlimactic of any of them, with the exception of maybe Kansas. Um, you think of what we had at Martinsville last week. That was Bananas, Talladega, the Roval, Dover. A lot of these races have been exciting down to the finish. But uh, Kevin Harvick, we kind of saw the Kevin Harvick that we'd seen early on in the season where he showed up to the track. He dominated, led 177 laps. It was pretty clear he had a top two or three car all day and uh, was able to pick up his eighth win of the season and punch his ticket to Homestead. And he maximized his points, although that does not matter anymore. He was able to win stage one, stage two, and the race leading, like you said, 177 laps. And there at the end of the race, you're almost waiting for the, the classic Kevin Harvick pit road yeah, something, something to go right. Never happened, and that's a little bit scary for, for both Phoenix and Homestead. But Harvick gets his eighth win of the season, clinches or clinches his spot at Homestead. So now Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, those are the two that we know will be racing for a championship. Yeah, and there's still two more spots up for grabs. Um, right now, when you look at the points, uh, really anybody on the outside looking in almost has to win this week. Uh, they not saying they can't get it on points, but uh, and it was a rough day for a couple of playoff guys, particularly Clint Boyer. Um, it just seems like anything that could go wrong for him ended up going wrong, got caught up in an accident early on, um, and then really was kind of behind the eight ball all day. It really wasn't much of an accident. It was more just a little bit of contact on yeah. the opening lap, and we saw this really all weekend long. We saw it more so in the trucks and the Xfinity series, but in the Cup series as well, you saw these cars just, and they talked about this a little bit, there was just no grip in these tires, no grip in the racetrack. Lap one, Clint Boyer gets loose. 
doors Denny Hamlin and it really ended both guys' day because they ended up having flat tires. Both ended up having to come down because they didn't get the damage fixed the first time. Then both of them ended up with penalties later throughout the race and well, were never and, able to recover from the lap one incident. Boyer's whole situation was kind of odd because I think he was two laps down. He was trying to pit himself into a situation where he would stay two laps down and then he would, when the stage came out and they did the wave around, it would only put him a lap down. And then he would be able to eventually, hopefully, get a caution and stuff and work his way back on the lead lap. The problem with that was, was towards the end of one of the stages, they decided to pit. And they just said, we're going to get enough gas to go. Um, that way we can not lose another lap on pit road. Well, there was a crew guy standing on, on the pit wall that wasn't part of the actual pit stop. But uh, was just kind of sitting there chilling with his feet over the edge. Unfortunately, that's a that's a penalty by NASCAR's book for being over the wall too soon. Had to come back in and lost another lap, and that, that dampered any chance he had. I really don't think the penalty was necessary necessarily for being over the wall too soon. I think that's, that's what they called it. That's what they but called really it. Really, what more of the penalty was is the crew guy had his his. If you're going to be over the wall, you have to do something to the race car. They don't want anyone over the wall just to be over the wall. And he was sitting over the wall, so his feet were in the pit box, and that is considered you're in the pit box, you're doing something, and then he just sat there. I think that's more so what the penalty actually was for. They didn't really – I, I don't think they have a graphic for that well, on NBC. And, and, so and Steve Letarte did a good job, I think, of breaking it down, that. of explaining it. That NASCAR basically said that the, the gentleman just sitting there chilling with his feet dangling – um, not doing anything is what prompted the caution. Had he not been sitting there, there would have been no caution because he technically was over the wall too soon. Um, it, just an odd circumstance that you, I can't. I've watched a lot of races in my lifetime. I don't recall ever seeing that happen before. It was a weird and unfortunate situation for Clint Boyer that now will 100% make Phoenix a must-win yes. race for him as he is 73 points behind the cut line. Maximum point day is 60 points, so if he was to have a perfect day, he could not mathematically make his way into the championship four, so he will have to win. Eric Amarola basically in the same situation, down 57 to the cut line. Chase Elliott, he's going to need a lot of help if he's going to point his way in, so for all purposes, he will also have to win to make the championship four. The one driver, points-wise, that doesn't have to necessarily go into Phoenix in dire need of getting a win he can point his way in as kurt bush he is 25 points behind the cut line he would need some help um tw- yeah, 25 points behind martin truex jr it would take something from that 78 crew or it would take something from kurt bush to you know maybe be able to na- nab a couple of stage wins and hope that truex doesn't finish in- inside the top 10 so it's not like you said a must win for him but it's not really far from a must win. It's a situation where you need Martin Truex Jr to have a, a mediocre day, run 11th or 12th all day long, both stages, finish the race, and then Kurt Busch would need to finish second or third in both stages and the race to be able to grab those points. And even then that's not the the best formula because we've seen lately Martin Truex Jr is the king of running 11th, 12th, 13th all day and then you look at the race results and you go what's weird he finished 5th. Um Look at this week, or this week, for example. He had a fast car most of the day, but it just seemed like um, they battled some tire problems on pit road a couple times, which a lot of guys did. It was kind of another weird thing where with these tires, they, they would get pit stops, and they'd come out, and they would complain of vibrations. I know Truex did it. I think Brett Kozlowski, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, all at one time or another complained of that. And then after a while, the the vibration would kind of kind of go away. And Truex, at one point, decided that it wasn't worth the risk. They pitted, ended up losing some ground. He ended up making it back up 
And at one point, he was only four or five points ahead of the cut line with around 100 laps to go, if I remember correctly. And then he ends up bringing home a ninth-place finish to put himself where he's sitting pretty comfortable. As he is 25 points above the cut line, Kyle Busch is 28 points above the cut line. And again, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, they have locked themselves into the championship race at Homestead. Where this race got a little bit interesting is more with the configuration of it and with the tire combination mm-hmm. they brought to the racetrack is the drivers and some of that tire vibration a lot of guys thought that was just the, the tires is when they were the first couple laps for some reason they shook and it cost and martin tricks jr thought it was worse than what that could be a lot of drivers waited it out and it would go away but the same thing with the tires is the same tire was run in the Xfinity series and the Cup series as the driver said they had no idea where the right rear was. The right rear was. They couldn't feel it. And if you're a race car driver, you've got to be able to feel your right rear tire to be able to, to push your car through the corner. So everyone was just kind of babying it around the racetrack. And we, we saw at the end of the race, Kevin Harvick on a restart kind of barreled it into turn one to beat Ryan Blaney into the corner. Ryan Blaney, the only one to, that seemed to have anything close to being able to challenge Kevin Harvick, was able to... to get it in there but everyone just kind of had to, to ride on an edge that they, they couldn't find where the edge was where normally the reason these guys are all the best in the business is they can find that edge and run there all day long a lot of guys couldn't find that edge yeah and there just there wasn't a ton of passing it just seemed like it was kind of it wasn't a complete one lane track but uh, there was definitely a preferred line yesterday and that showed and that was the bottom and that suits kevin harvick is is that ends up hurting guys that like to be able to move around is guys like Kyle Larson weren't able to use the top and really weren't able to use the middle. You could hang on the outside lane right next to someone for a lap or so, and, but eventually the bottom line prevailed. And we saw on the final restart, uh, Kevin Harvick, who's notoriously is a bottom feeder, um, that if there's someone, you said a couple weeks ago, if there's someone's going to be running the bottom of the track, it's going to be Kevin Harvick. Ryan Blaney's one of those guys that will run just about anywhere. Um, he's normally pretty pretty diverse with where he'll go and when that when the restart came out to set the green white checker harvick has lane choice and it was maybe a little bit of a surprise to me that he picked the top um just because he's so dominant on the bottom that had been the preferred line all day and uh i know on the nbc broadcast they were talking about how they would think he picked the top but he was really that was really about the only time we saw the top work throughout most of the and day. And I think that had something to do with the way Brian, Ryan Blaney's car was working. Mm-hmm. Is the restart before that we saw Ryan Blaney get the lead from the top lane. Harvick took the bottom lane on that restart, and Blaney's car he he was having trouble working through the center of the corner. You could see he had to wait to get back to the throttle, and then that's how Kevin Harvick got around him on that restart. So Harvick knew if he could get to the corner even and didn't get beat to the corner and. You know, having the control of the restart was able to be able to do that. He knew Blaney would get too tight in the center of the corner, and he'd be able to power away. And we saw that occur really simply for Harvick, and he drove away on that green white checkered. And as far as drivers in the Cup Series, Kevin Harvick, day in and day out, is probably one of the smoother, um, more consistent drivers. I, I don't, I don't think there's probably much argument about that. Um, it's funny because I don't think we would have said that in his first five years or so of his career. But the thing that stuck out to me in that final restart is Blaney's on the inside, Harvick's on the outside. Kyle Larson gave Ryan Blaney a Talladega shove down the front stretch, and I thought, okay, Blaney's going to maybe – because we saw most time the restarts. Once you were able to clear him, you were probably good. But like he was going to be able to clear him, and then Kevin Harvick just drove it in so deep into the next corner that there was nothing Ryan Blaney could do. 
Lawrence, Ryan Blaney finished second. Joey Logano, who won last week at Martinsville, he finished third, so continues some of that momentum. Eric Jones, with a good run, finished fourth. Kyle Larson finished fifth, so only two playoff drivers inside the top five. Then it came Chase Elliott in sixth, Kurt Busch in seventh, Eric Almarola in eighth, Martin Truex Jr. in ninth, Austin Dillon in the tenth position. Other playoff drivers, Kyle Busch finished 17th, Clip Boyer finished 26th. Does Joey Logano have any friends? At this point, no. It really doesn't look like it. And Um, real quick, we'll get to uh, Joey Logano was involved in another incident based on what Eric Amarola said. We'll get to that in a quick second. But before we do, a little bit earlier in the race, both Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson, two drivers that had extremely long streaks of winning a race in a season, they're both winless this season they're both down to just two races but for both that 48 and 11 car it has been a season to forget yeah and when i look at drivers without a win this year you mentioned those two also kyle larson if you would have told me that all three of those drivers would not have a win it 34 races into the season i don't know that i would have believed you it's it's almost it's just it's such a weird thing to say that all three of those drivers don't have a win it's hard to even put into words what that that accomplishment in a bad way actually is but now to get to that incident between eric almarola and joey logano joey logano has now made someone else mad as eric almarola as last week we talked to, and we we posed the question is has nascar gotten a little too crybaby with the drivers over getting bumped around and getting moved out of the way and apparently that is contagious as now eric almarola has a case of it this week as he called out joey logano for what he believed was racing him too hard he said logano's already in the race at homestead why did he race me this hard if you watch the video logano did absolutely absolutely nothing wrong he was driving his race car so essentially to me eric almarola uh, was complaining about joey logano driving a race car yeah that's pretty much what it what i interpreted as too is that was just a good i think that's how they were battling for third or fourth i can't remember and eric almarola probably had a fifth, third third place third car. to fifth sixth place car all day um and they get into it a little bit, and he was able to get get logano got almarola out of line and caused him to drop back a couple spots i know this um, they were able to pick up the chatter with his spotter and his crew. He uh, might have said an expletive to, or two about Joey Logano and wasn't very happy about it. But I'm with you. That was that was racing. There wasn't really anything wrong with it, or at least nothing that I could see from it that appeared well, wrong. And with the way the Texas track is with the repave, there, there isn't a second groove. So if you're on the top, you have to kind of get close to someone's door. Logano gave Almarola more room than I've, I saw a lot of guys give when they were stuck on the top yesterday. He made sure to, to give Almarola room. He didn't pinch him into the corner. He didn't drive on his door. Almarola just got loose and almost wrecked both him and Logano. And I think that was more just frustration from track position. But at the end of the race... Similar to the way Truex said that Logano won't win the championship. Almarola said he's going to make it really hard for him to win the championship. And then in the booth, they were talking about this. And, and although Logano didn't do anything wrong, I think across the board that's going to be the, the consensus is Logano didn't do anything wrong. But Almarola doesn't see it that way. Truex doesn't see it that way. Logano's going to get to Homestead, but he's not going to get there with the same playing field that the other three drivers are. No, and I... I... I posed this question right before we went on the air, too, with the whole uh, Logano-Almarola thing, is I think at this point maybe it's somewhat reputation with Joey Logano um, because 
Well, when you look at, I don't know a good way of putting this, but, you know, the bad boys, I guess, of NASCAR right now, um, it goes Kyle Busch, and then it's probably Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, and Denny Hamlin, those four. And Joey Logano races people tough. I, I think that's pretty given. And I feel like Almirola's reaction to that is maybe a little bit different than it would be if, say, it was a Jimmy Johnson or one of his teammates, like a Kevin Harvick or a Clint Boyer. Um, and it was just one of those deals. I don't think there was anything wrong there. But, yeah, he's definitely going to have the deck stacked against him when it when it comes to Miami. My question is, who's he going to make mad this week? Yeah, he's got one more race to get Then We're headed to another short track in Phoenix. So we're 34 races in, just two races to go. Before we crown a champion, just one more race for six drivers to fight for two spots in the championship four. We'll go ahead and take a quick break here on the left turn. When we get back, we'll talk about another series in the Xfinity Series and their race at Texas. Got up the curse. <laughs> Welcome back. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you. It's a good weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Down there in Everything's Fort Worth. Everything's bigger in Texas. It sure is in the Xfinity race. I decided to uh, junk a lot of equipment out there in Texas. as We saw that in the trucks and Xfinity series. It's a lot more action, a lot more guys struggling. Uh, it, it almost seems as there's a reason the Cup guys are in the Cup Series. They're smarter. They understand how to race. The Xfinity guys, they just they just drive into the corner and don't care that they, they, they really can't race too wide. And you got to think most of these, I mean, you look at the playoff picture right now, the eight guys that are in the playoffs, with the exception of Elliot Sadler and Justin Allgaier, most of these guys are are relatively young, our age or younger. Um, Daniel Hemrick's one of the older ones of the group, and he's 27. Um, Christopher Bell's only 21, I believe. 24, okay, he's older than I thought he was. He looks like he's, like, 20. Yeah, Cole Custer's only, I think, 20. Um, Austin Sendrick's not very old either. These are My point is these guys are do not have a ton of experience on these tracks, and they're throwing a chance to win a championship, and these guys have a little extra incentive to, to get aggressive. These guys, not only are they racing for a championship, some of these guys are racing for rides next year, racing to to prove themselves so to speak and a lot of when you look down the rundown of the way this race ended a lot of drivers accident next to their name is the way Mm -hmm. they're going to finish and some of the bigger names ryan reed was knocked out with an incident ryan priest was was knocked out he got in it with his teammate at one point with ryan tricks but the big one the big name that did not finish this race was Christopher Bell, one of your really your championship favorite coming into the playoffs. Is not at a good playoffs. It continues at Texas. Had an incident, as we've said. Austin Cindric on the bottom, Christopher Bell up top. Cindric gets loose, gets into Bell. Bell backs the car into the wall, and it ends his, ends his race. Not only that, it's going to make it really difficult on him heading into the last round of the round of eight for the Xfinity Series. Yeah, because right now he is. 20, is it 22 below the cut line, I think, is where he's at. Um, 34. 34. That's right, because Cole Custer has a I was looking at that wrong. Yeah, he's 34 below the cut line. Um, so he doesn't necessarily – he can mathematically point his way in, but also mathematically I can win the lottery um, probably about the same odds this week. So he's going to have his work cut out for him for sure, and I think it's almost a must-win situation for Seabell. His, uh, his season is one of the best we've ever seen from you know a rookie in the Xfinity Series from Christopher Bell. He's won a ton of races this year. 
but it was another young driver that won this week and locked himself into the championship four at Homestead. The first of the Xfinity Series, too, is it was John Hunter Nemechek played spoiler the, the week before at Kansas. They did not race at Martinsville. Cole Custer gets a win. My championship pick. And he ends up in the round of eight and does not have to worry about Phoenix. And the big thing for Cole Custer is Custer was not in a good point situation. No, he was on the outside looking in. So he gets a win, and he automatically doesn't have to worry about points. He jumps, and he'll make his way to Homestead. Yeah, Cole Custer came into Saturday evening's race at Texas in seventh, 23 points below the cutoff line. Now with the win, he's still not technically in the top four, but it doesn't matter because he has a win in the round, so he advances. So what that actually does is it makes it a race not for fourth, but a race for third overall in the standings. And um, Cole Custer, quite what a finish between him and Daniel Hemrick, or him and Tyler Reddick, excuse me, to um, basically determine who's going to race at Homestead for the championship and clinch a spot. And now it gets really interesting because you've got Daniel Hemrick, Justin Allgaier, and Matt Tift all separated by just 14 points for that final spot. Christopher Bell, 34 back. Austin Sindrick, who I thought for a while there was going to be able to steal that win at Texas when Reddick and Custer were battling, he is in a must-win situation this weekend. He, he is 61 points back, so like we said a maximum points weekend is 60 points, so unfortunately for Austin Sindrick, must win at Phoenix, and he's in that 22 car. That car's going to have enough speed there at Phoenix for him to do that, so could stay interesting. You got Christopher Bell there in that, 30, in that 20 car, and also will have a car capable of winning, but Tyler Reddick, Elliott Sadler, Daniel Hemrick are the three above the cut line. Reddick is 20 points above the cut line. Sadler's 13. Hemrick is 12 points above the cut line. Your two favorites, Justin Allgaier, Christopher Bell, have not had a good playoff. Allgaier's 12 back. Bell is 34 back. When you look at it points-wise, Allgaier sits 12 back. But where these, you've got a lot of drivers in that bottom four that could win at Phoenix and really mess this whole thing up. Yeah, when I look at it right now... Um like you said, Cindric's his car definitely has the speed. And really, for the most part this year, when he's not getting caught up in crashes, he's been a, a top five, top ten car. Um, Matt Tift, I don't know that he's got the speed, so to speak. But uh, there's no doubt that Bell and definitely Justin Allgaier, this track that he's been uh, really dominant at in years past, has the speed. I think one of those guys ends up getting in and knocking someone out. Um, I, I'm not sure who at the moment. But I think it's going to mix up a little bit. I think either Allgaier or Bell, I agree with you. One of those two, Allgaier can point his way in. It'll be tough for him, too, because Hemrick, Sadler, and Reddick, they're all very consistent throughout the stages, throughout the finishes, so it'll be hard to point his way in. But I think either Allgaier or Bell will win this race, work their way in. And unfortunately, I think that's going to leave Elliott Sadler on the outside. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Because the thing with Daniel Hemrick is we've asked this question, I think the last nine Xfinity races, at some point, Daniel Hemrick is going to win a race. He has brought the fastest car to every race in the playoffs so so far this season. Has nothing to show for it. Cole Custer's been right there. The, 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 your two favorites, Christopher Bell, Allgaier, they've had such bad playoffs. We don't even know what kind of car they had in, have had in these races because they've gotten caught up in so many issues. And then it kind of hands the, the torch of the races over to Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer. That's what... And I think you got to throw Tyler Reddick in there Those as well. Those three, and that's why I say I think Daniel Hemrick has had the, the best car at every race in the playoffs so far this season because he gets handed that because we don't really see what Bell or Allgaier has. 
but at some point, Daniel Hemrick's going to have to figure out what is going on that it keeps costing him these races. Because, again, Cole Custer has a really fast race car, but Daniel Hemrick for a long time looked like he would finally get a win and ends up 10th. He did a whale of a job, though, to even end up 10th. Um, got into an accident with his teammate, Shane Lee. Who, at this point, I don't know if we'll see him in that three car He's again for a while. He's got sponsorship lined up for this week, so I'm guessing he'll be... Maybe, maybe next year yeah. will be the end of Shane Lee. Maybe. Was there really a beginning of Shane Lee? Not much, but the, the thing is, is if you're a, a part-time driver in the Xfinity Series, the one thing you cannot do under any circumstance is wreck your teammate going for a championship. Yeah, that's a big no-no. Um, and... They got into it. I can't remember how many laps there was. It, it was, was only towards, like twenty or so to go. It was the end of the of the race, and it was actually it was yeah it was a no, six to go. Yeah, and uh, Lee just got loose, got into Daniel Hemrick. There was nothing Hemrick could do. I think he ended up dropping back to like nineteenth or twentieth. And on the it was a overtime green white checker, and he drove up to tenth just to get there. Yeah, so he, he did a whale of a job to put himself in a situation where he's a little bit more comfortable going into Phoenix. But like I said, I've been impressed with Tyler Reddick this postseason. Um, I He's wasn't really quiet. I wasn't sure what to think of him going into the playoffs. I had him getting cut out in the round of eight, and right now he's one of the only guys that's had a top ten. Him and Daniel Hemrick have had a top ten every week of the playoffs. So right now he's in a situation where as long as nothing goes bad for him this weekend, if he can stay in that top ten, he's going to be in. So Cole Custer, again, ended up with the win, led 16 laps for the race. He also won stage two. Tyler Reddick finished second. Austin Sendrick what finished a battle. third. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, he finished fourth. Justin Allgaier finished fifth. Brandon Jones finished sixth. Matt T- Tift, seventh. Elliot Sadler, eighth. Spencer Gallagher, ninth. Daniel Hemrick won stage one. He finished in the 10th position. And then your other playoff driver was Christopher Bell, who again finished 32nd. Can we just acknowledge that on the final lap, we have Tyler Reddick, who's 22 years old, and Cole Custer, who's 20 years old. Those guys bang doors going down the backstretch and just about take each other out. Um, I thought Austin Sindrick was going to win the race, but those guys bang doors look like they're going to junk each other. Cole Custer holds on to win the race, and both of those guys handled it like professionals. Can we just acknowledge that for a second, that um, you know there was a certain situation last week at Martinsville where it wasn't handled quite the same way by guys that are supposed to be more professional? The young guys, are, are, like you said, they're looking for rides. They're, they're looking for opportunities. So, well, and Tyler Reddick has a ride locked up for next year. That is that is one thing. He is headed to RCR to replace Daniel Hemrick next season as Hemrick will head to the Cup Series. And that will wrap up our talk of the Xfinity Series. Before we get to break real quick, just want to mention a couple things. In the open wheel world, as Lewis Hamilton did wrap up his fifth Formula One championship. So congratulations to him. And then also in the IndyCar world, unfortunately – we we still are you know giving hope and, and all our, our thoughts are with Robert Wickens and his recovery from his accident at Phoenix. But Schmidt Peterson Motorsports did put Marcus Erickson in that car for next year. Yeah, hopefully we can see Wickens back in a car at some point, if not in 2019, somewhere down the road. Just kind of a a tragic thing that I mean could have been a lot more tragic than it was, but definitely still a tragic thing. I think it's a young man that there was no doubt just watching him through the first handful of races of the season that he was going to be up there with the Joseph Newgardens and the Alexander Rossi's in the next couple of years. So just kind of an unfortunate thing, and we hope that we can see him back in the car at some point. And the interesting thing about the Erickson signing is it's another guy that has struggled a little bit in Formula One with 
with the performance differences and teams there that's going to leave Formula One and head to the more competitive IndyCar. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, we haven't seen that be super successful, I don't think. Um, there's a lot been, of guys have tried it, but yeah. yeah, generally it's the IndyCar, the guys that have focused on IndyCar for the duration of their career that are successful in any car the one the one difference is alexander rossi yeah. was trying to get formula one and then he switched over but we saw we'll one on, can we do. saw one pablo montoya go um indycar and then formula one and then eventually after trying the nascar circuit made his way back to indycar i believe jock villanue did a little bit of dabbling with both but really for the most part we've never seen that i can think of did sebastian no special where they came from champ car we have never really seen a great transition from Formula One to IndyCar that I can think of off the top of my head. And this uh, was one interesting thing that came out today is Fernando Alonso and Jimmy Johnson are going to do a car swap. We've seen this before with Formula One and, and NASCAR drivers, but Fernando Alonso is going to hop in a, a NASCAR. Jimmy is going to hop in a, for, in a Formula One car. They're going to do a little car swap there. That's an interesting combination. I think did Tony Stewart and Lewis Hamilton do yep. that a couple of years? They did it at Watkins Glen. I mean, like, it was like 2011, 2011 or 20, something like that. Wasn't they were both sponsored by Mobile One. Yes. Um, so that would have been like 2011. But that is a really interesting combo. I'm not saying I disagree with that because um, Jimmy's been my man for a long time. But, yeah, they're going to they're gonna do a car swap, and Jimmy's going to try to – Run a Formula One car for some fun. Why not? So that we just touch on the news and notes from the open wheel world. We'll take a quick break here on the left turn when we get back. We'll talk about the truckers and, and their race from Texas from Friday. Welcome back to the left turn. with you. So we now we'll turn to the truckers. Just like to point out, one, I don't think I've ever heard them called as truckers. Um, uh, have two, you ever listened to anyone that ever calls say uh, uh, Michael Waltrip? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, to, I'm, and two, <laughs> I would like to point out that is the most enthusiastic welcome back you have had all semester, and it really gets me excited for this segment. Well, that's good because the truck race was an extremely exciting one, and also we're getting down to is. the end of NASCAR season. So as, as saddening it is that the NASCAR will be done here in a couple weeks it's also some of the most exciting stuff we'll get to at the end of the year is now we'll get you the trucks as they will lock another driver into the round of eight and it was justin haley who picks up another one in the truck series but he had to do it in a very interesting way as todd gilliland ran out of fuel on the last lap todd gilliland is like the truck series version of daniel hemrick um i think he should have won like four races already this year and doesn't have a win to show for it um, was it Bristol that he had a had a good truck, and then I can't remember if they got messed up on a pit stop or something, and then Noah Gregson decided he didn't want to lift going into the final turn at most sport, took them both out, and then this one, it it was just kind of a weird thing that Gillen just and, kind of sputtered. And with the way it worked is they decided to pit at a certain point in time where you could get to the end of the race with one with one can of fuel. On pit stops, you generally take one can, then you get a second can of fuel to fill the, the fuel tank up. Everyone was just taking one can of fuel, so with the way everything worked, I just think maybe they didn't get everything they, they needed to from that can and just fell a couple laps short. The, the thing with Todd Gilliland is it looked like after the end of that, we were going to get the most Kyle Busch-esque post-race interview we could from the young man as he was 
visibly frustrated, but kudos to Todd Gillen. He composed himself, and he gave a very professional and good interview and was able to calm himself in a matter of just 30 seconds because Fox Sports did not give him much time to calm down after he was visibly extremely frustrated after that race. Yeah, and this is going to be somebody that I think in 2019 is going to be one of the guys to keep an eye on to take that Truck Series championship. Um, didn't run the first four races of the season because he wasn't old enough for those older tracks, so he didn't turn 18 until May. Um, and he's still been able to put together a 10th place positioning and points. Has came close picking up a couple wins we alluded to. He's got a handful of seconds, also a third. Um, and it's just been really consistent. But I think right now, Jacob, looking at the playoff picture, I would say it's probably a pretty safe bet that one of the Gallagher Motorsports cars, trucks is going to win a win a championship. That's a likely likely scenario is possibly the two quickest cars there right now are the the 21 and the 24 and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be I would almost put the 24 I mean, Justin Haley ahead of the 21 simply on that 24 car has been extremely consistent for a long time now we've seen a ton of speed out of Johnny Sauter but like this weekend didn't show that speed and, and Justin Haley he was up front all race long yeah, Justin Haley had a slow start to the season, um, 22nd in Atlanta, 28th in Las Vegas. Picked up his first career win at Gateway. Since then, 6th, 10th, 9th, 5th, 9th, 6th, a win, 3rd, 4th, 6th, and a win. So hasn't his last time he finished outside the top 10, you have to go all the way back to the Iowa race way back in June for June 16th. So he's been consistent enough. And we've seen the last couple years in the truck series, you don't necessarily have to win the race to uh, win the championship, and he's going to be a guy. I think right now he's the favorite. So Ben Rhodes finished second in this one. Brett Moffitt was able to come home third. He's been extremely quiet through these playoffs, but is picking up extremely good finishes without making a whole lot of noise, and we kind of both picked him as the Truck Series champion, and it's been concerning during the races being like where's brett moffitt and then all of a sudden you're seeing him finish these second and thirds and a second or third like you said could be enough to take the championship at homestead yeah because this is the third year of the playoff configuration in the truck series format and uh, neither time has one of the championship four won it uh won the race at homestead william byron won it in 2016 after i've been eliminated and then chase briscoe did the same last year so this is a situation where you just got to be the most consistent guy perhaps um, in a couple weeks. And Todd Gillen was able to cruise, to coast his way to a fourth-place finish. Austin Hill finished Having fifth. A great a run day. from that 0-2 car. Yeah, a career day for Austin Hill. Um, really, that's about all you can say. He's not a guy that you normally look at the results and expect to be in the top five unless you're somewhere wacky like a Daytona or a Talladega. But he had himself, I'm guessing it's a career-best finish. I'd have to go back and actually do the research on that. But uh, a good day for him. Harrison Burton, a good run as well in six. Jesse Little I think, coming home in seventh. It's I think, his first career top five. I, I think he's finished sixth or seventh at a restrictor plate truck race before. But He's got uh, eight career top tens. But it was a very solid race from that 0-2 car. Harrison Burton finished in the sixth position. Jesse Little finished seventh. And that 97 car is one. If Jesse Little can ever get the funding to run that car full, that, that truck full-time, I think Jesse Little could contend for a championship. Yeah, and Little, a uh, second-generation driver, son of uh, Chad Little, who I think now is the director of competition for the truck series. Um, he's kind of dabbled with a little bit of uh, Monster Energy Cup Series events with, with one of the lower-funded teams in the cup level 
But when he's been at the track in the truck series over the last four years, 21 races, six top tens, all six of them coming in the last two seasons, um, and they've been right around that 7th to 10th place range with very little funding. So I'd like to see. I'm with you. I'd like to see what he could do. So it was Stuart Friesen who finished 8, Matt Crafton finished ninth. Noah Gragson finished 10th. Both Crafton and Gragson are playoff drivers. Johnny Sauter finished 11th. Grant Infinger finished 12th. So when you look at the truck playoff points, Johnny Sauter, Justin Haley have locked themselves into the championship four. So as we head to Phoenix next weekend, just two spots remain for your truck drivers as Brett Moffitt and Noah Gragson currently hold those two spots. Moffitt is 22 points above the cut line. Gragson is 18. Grant Enfinger sits 18 points below the cut line. Matt Crafton sits 23 points below the cut line. And barring anything, and we've talked about this with the other two series, barring anything catastrophic happen, happening to Brett Moffitt or Noah Gragson, if you're Grant Enfinger or you're Matt Crafton, you really got to treat Phoenix as a must-win situation. And you brought this up right before we went on the air that, you know, or right before we came back from the break, I should say that Matt Crafton just hasn't looked fast. And, well, that's right. I think this is kind of the same Matt Crafton that we had seen up until that two-year span in 2013, 2014, where he won back-to-back championships. But I would argue even then, really, I mean, who else was he competing against for those championships? I think the competition now is much, much tougher points-wise than it was then. So, he just he's been kind of a run of the mill, you know, fifth to eighth place car all year, and I think it's probably fitting that's gonna be where he finishes point wise. So again, Grant Enfinger, Matt Crafton gonna have to do a lot of work at Phoenix to be able to, to make their way into the championship four. So that'll wrap up our talk of the truck series drivers. When we get back, we'll turn to this week and then we will preview the final round of the final round before the round of four for all three series at Phoenix. It's gonna be a good one. We'll be back with our pre-race analysis. Welcome back to the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you as we wind down another episode of the left turn. And now we will look at this weekend's racing action from ISM Raceway, which should better be known as Phoenix. And the, the big thing about this weekend is this will be the first time we're going to see the newly configured, or really it's not newly configured, but the moving of the start-finish line. It's always been on the front straightaway. It'll now be on the first part of the dogleg off of the old turn two, which will, 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 will now be turn four. It's going to be confusing to talk about that when we can't point to things, but where turn two used to be, you'll now come off of that. You'll get the start-finish line right before the dogleg, then you'll go into the new turn one. And it's going to be interesting, and I don't know how much we'll see different from that. I think it could make starts a little bit crazier heading into the new Turn 1. Yeah, I can only tell you what I think of it based on what I've played from NASCAR Heat 3. Um, and I will say I'm not a fan of it, maybe just because I always liked on the on the NASCAR video games that you could just dive bomb it into Turn 3 and basically pull a slide job. Um, now with the new configuration, you can't do that. Not that that's going to be a problem for anybody this weekend. See, it's not going to change anything once the racing gets going for some laps is it's not it's the starts are going to be weird because i think everyone on the starts will have to just drive down to the apron you're going to get the green flag you're gonna have to wait till you get across the start finish line and then immediately you'll, you'll immediately you will take a hard left roll through the dog leg on the apron well, that's going to make the be able to block start. yeah and and what what that's going to do is they're going to be about six wide funneling into a corner where you really can only go too wide oh the xfinity start is going to be a ton of fun on saturday what about the trucks yeah, but the Xfinity, they've shown the last three weeks that they just cannot start a race without wrecking. 
So uh, that's all right. Christopher Bell is not making it to the round of four. <laughs> now that I think about it, um, it'll be interesting. Phoenix. He hasn't is, made it through a lap one in the round in the round of uh, yeah, eight so for I the Xfinity know. Series. There's, so you might be right there. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested for this weekend. Um, Phoenix is always an interesting race because it's basically like a conference championship game. Um, you're going to see guys. I think the guys that are on the outside looking in, whether it be like a Christopher Bell or in the Cup Series, like an Eric Almirola or a Clint Boyer, those guys' number one goal is going to be to win Saturday or, Saturday or Sunday. They're not going to try to mess around with stage points. Definitely not if you're Almirola or Boyer because it does you no good whatsoever. Those guys are going to get creative. We've seen that in years past. Um, Chase Elliott last year was getting creative with, with that. Um, uh, Kevin Harvick a couple years ago, so he won the championship. Um, I think somebody through one of the three days, maybe more than once, that is on the outside looking in, wins and punches their ticket to Homestead. I think actually I think it happens Saturday and Sunday. And that would, would make some people mad. It'll make I a mean, lot of people happy. It would really jumble everything up and create for a great weekend. A lot of good storylines with the Truck Series. They'll be running the Lucas Oil 150 Friday at 7.30. It'll be 150 laps on Fox Sports 1. Again, the Trucks is all three series. Last race in before the championship four. Last chance for these drivers to punch their ticket to Homestead. But, Trevor, who do you have winning the Lucas Oil 150 on Friday? You know what? I'm going to go spoiler here. I'm going to go Todd Gillen just because one of these years I think he's going to win a race. And the two fastest cars all the, this round have been the GMS cars, and they really don't have anything to, to race for. So Todd Gillen plays spoiler. And you get the two GMS cars uh, as well as Brett Moffitt and Noah Gregson into the round of four, or championship four. I agree with the championship four picks. I think either Gregson or Moffitt win this race. And I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Noah Gregson to win in the KBM truck. Like I said, I don't think GMS will be worried about Phoenix. They'll already be getting everything ready for Homestead the next week, and that'll open the door for someone else. The Xfinity Series, they will be running the Whelan Trusted to Perform 200 Saturday at 3.30. It'll be 200 laps on NBC for them. Who do you have winning that one? Justin Allgaier has just been too darn good at Phoenix lately. Um, backs against the wall. Uh, I can see Daniel Hemrick pulling it off and finally getting that win and giving him some momentum going into Homestead. Cole Custer runs pretty well at Phoenix, too. But uh, give me Justin Allgaier and then the championship four. That puts Custer, Hemrick, Allgaier, and Tyler Reddick with Elliott Sadler on the outside looking in to end his career. I'm going to go ahead and say Christopher Bell will get the win on Saturday. I think Daniel Hemrick will fin- finish second in classic Daniel Hemrick fashion. After leading 120 laps. Yeah, he'll find a way to lose again, and that will send Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, Daniel Hemrick, and Christopher Bell to the championship for the Cup Series. They will be running the Can-Am 500 Sunday at 2.30. It'll be 312 laps on NBC. Trevor, who do you have winning the Can-Am 500 Sunday? I'm going to go with the same guy I picked this last week and a guy that's ran pretty well at Phoenix in a minimal sample size. Um, actually has the second best all-time average finish with five races or more. Um, give me Chase Elliott. Uh, probably should have won the race last year. Got into a little bit of a battle with Denny Hamlin that was some revenge and then kind of overused his equipment, and Matt Kent's able to run him down. Um, it's five starts at Phoenix, eighth, ninth, twelfth. But more importantly, the last two, he's been second and third. So this car has some speed. I think Elliott wins. I think it bumps Martin Truex Jr., out and you get Mark, you get Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Joey Logano going into Homestead, setting me up for what I really want: the handicap match of Eric Almirola and Martin Truex against Joey Logano. 
In this one, I'm going to take the spoiler. I don't think anyone from the playoffs wins this race. I think Kyle Larson will get on the, the win board from for Phoenix. I think Denny Hamlin will run well as well. And I almost see those two guys battling it out in the battle of the winless to try to, to get on the win column, get in the win column for the year. And then what that does for me is that has, you know has Joy Logano, Kevin Harvick, and the championship four and Martin Truex, Kyle Busch will make it. And unfortunately will make Trevor very uh, sad. Very sad. Uh, as we head to Homestead. So either way, I think it's going to be a wild race. And like you said, with the, especially the Cup Series, it's the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, there's there's scenarios where guys can point their way in. The Cup Series, the gaps are a little bit bigger, so there's going to be a lot of guys trying different stuff, either for track position or at the end of the race, to try to find a way to win the race. Yeah, and I think when it gets crunch time, if the points battles are close, uh, we're going to see some fun stuff. One of my favorite Phoenix memories is when Ryan Newman decided to just not even Care. think about lifting and just bounce off of Kyle Larson because he knew he needed the spot. Um, I want to see that. Um, I, that's, or I think back to 2016, too, when Alex Bowman took out the whole field and he wasn't even racing for it. For a championship. Here's where I think this could get really interesting is where the new start-finish line is. It gives an opportunity for, say, Chase Elliott or Kurt Busch or one of the guys on the outside looking in restart in the fifth position. You take the restart, you drive on the apron, and then you never come back onto the racetrack after leaving the apron, and you just sail it off into turn three down there and throw the biggest slider we've ever seen in NASCAR history to try to win the race and cause a big big problem. I think that's a possibility. I know that that sounds like I'm I'm trying to be funny. I think that's a possibility I, if someone gets that desperate heading into turn the new turn 1 on a late race restart with say 4 or 5 green white checker and junk I am field. envisioning this in my head and I just the thought of it makes me so happy that I words, that words cannot describe Anyone that, I guess, doesn't doesn't know me knows I love chaos when it comes to NASCAR races. I like the races where there's nine cars that finish. Or when I, I just, to me, yeah, that's, that's what it's, it's supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be fun. I want to see somebody, even a guy, give me a guy that's not even ready. Give me Kyle. Kyle Larson would be the perfect guy to do it. He, he would be the one guy that could make that <laughs> stick. That's the thing. He's the one guy that could make that whole situation work. Anyone else does that. We're leaving with 20 cars on a record. Kyle Larson does that. We're calling that the greatest move in NASCAR history. Most likely. So I, I do want to see something like that. I want to see how aggressive these guys get on this new configuration. And uh, it's going to be a treat, I think, all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think restarts will be some of the craziest restarts we've seen all oh, year. Oh, Lord, I hope so. And that's going to create for what Trevor said is his favorite thing. It'll create for a lot of chaos this weekend. We can only hope that there's a lot of chaos this weekend because that's yeah. always more fun and more entertaining. It'll make my weekend. And that will do it for us here on the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater. We'll be back next Monday from 2 to 3 here on X106 to wrap up what happened at Phoenix and then preview the championship weekend at Homestead. Thank you for tuning in here on X106.